0: Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for what we've already experienced in worship today. And as we open your word, Lord, may it permeate our lives, Lord, because nothing that I have said in my own power is going to change lives, Lord, but your word will change lives, Lord. So thank you for this opportunity. What a privilege to speak on your behalf. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's all about the connection all about the connection, I don't know about you, but having a a phone or a computer or something that depends on Wi-Fi, it's always frustrating to try to find a signal, especially when you're in a public place, and uh, like uh, we went to a place uh, this morning to eat breakfast, and uh, sure as shooting, they had the Wi-Fi signal showing on my phone, I should have had a connection, but for some reason I couldn't get anything to pull up on my phone. The icon was there, but there was no connection. And that can be frustrating, can it not? And the thing is, is that connections, you realize we are profoundly shaped by the connections that we make in our lives. We are profoundly impacted by those that we are connected to and those things that we are connected to. Don't believe me? Take a moment and look inside. And take a look around. Look at your family, your friends, your job, your church, and even your environment. We are all connected now. I know some of you preach, I ain't even got a computer at home. That's okay. I don't have a smartphone. Mine flips and it's just fine. I understand that. But still, whether you flip, whether your smartphones, whether you're a dumb phone, whether you're a no phone, or whatever, you're a no computer, or you're tweeting like a bird. We all have connections. We all seek to be connected. So our our connections can either help us become everything that God has created us to be, or they can force us to keep from experiencing God's best. So as we approach our passage this morning, this is the last of Jesus' I am statements. Uh, When we say I am, that's hearkening back to him speaking as his father did in, uh, back in Exodus, Genesis, and the Old Testament where they would say, you know, Moses asked God, what do I say when they say that I'm speaking on your behalf? What should I tell the Pharaoh? Who sent me? And he says, tell him, I am sent me. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they are I am. They are all you ever needed, all you ever will need, and all you need this very day. And so in this statement we see an I am statement. And we see that Jesus is saying he is the only way to salvation. And that God loves us. God loves you and gave you salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Why did Jesus Christ have to come and die? Because God wanted to have a connection with you, my friend. No matter what your age, no matter what your experience, whether you've been a Christian all your life or you're still seeking to make that connection, God wants to have a connection with you. And so as we look at our scripture this morning, we see our first point is, is that God took the initiative to be connected to you. God took the initiative To be connected to you. Let's read verses 1-4 through of chapter 15 in John. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will be producing even more. You have already been pruned. And purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Underline that if you like to underline in your Bible. Or you're making notes. Remain in me is what he says. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. As we go back, I said that God took the initiative to be connected to you. Because he says in the very beginning, the very first verse, I am the true grapevine and my Father is the gardener. When I read that, my mind immediately goes back to the first garden. The garden of Eden. You see, God created the garden of Eden. And then God created this world. Any one of us can look around, whether you are a believer or not, and look around in this world. Yes, there are a lot of bad things, but there are quite honestly a lot of things that we cannot explain. That's called God's general revelation. And God is here, and God has created this world. And then after He created the world, God created Adam. Why did God create Adam? It wasn't just to have somebody to tend the garden, but it was someone He could have a connection with. And then do you remember what happened? He saw, he looked at Adam. He says in Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And he made woman. He created Eve. Why? Because he knew that Adam needed that connection folks all of us are created to strive to worship God and those of us that are lucky enough to find that and that are saved by Jesus Christ we know the beauty and the power of that connection but yet there are so many people that are filling their lives full of things that is keeping them from making that connection folks we are wired to worship God we are wired to worship something. You don't believe me? Did anybody watch any football yesterday on TV? Yeah, there are people that are worshiping their teams. I was the other day, the the news day the iPhone ten has come out. Do y'all care? No? That's fine. But there are people, there are videos of viewing those phones where the people are actually weeping and shaking because this phone has now been released. It's worship today. Hopefully, when football is going on, there will be people that will be worshiping their teams. They've bought the jerseys, they've got the hats, they've got the tailgate food. Woo! I ain't got time to go to church today. At a ball game today. You know, I'm not throwing people under the bus that are football fans. I'm just saying, you can say what you want. We all worship something. Don't believe me? Every one of you are a teenager and at some point had a picture or a magazine of somebody that you idolize, either on your wall or beside your bed or somewhere. For some of you, it might have been David Cassidy. Anybody remember him? (laughs) That one in the back. Some of y'all might have been Moses. I don't know, but, uh, but either way, we all we, we want to know what's going on. We we love that. See what's going on with our celebrities, and especially not today though. But what we see here is that God created Adam. But God created Eve. Why? So they could have a connection. And let me tell you something, my friend. The biggest target that Satan has fixed his missiles on. His fiery darts, his greatest target, are the connections that you have with God and God's people. Because I don't know about you, but but uh, I've probably told you this before. But a while back, Donna took me. Sometimes she'll take me places and not tell me where it is, you know, for the surprise of it. So she takes me to some place, and and we are out in the middle of the country. I mean, the cows are looking at me, going, "What are you doing out here?" And I wasn't anxious until all of a sudden my phone said no signal, no connection. I thought, Donna, are you going to bring me out of here and leave me for dead? What's going on here? No connection, lost. And and so it's just that sinking feeling of, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? There's no connection. It's one thing to not have a cell phone signal or not have a computer signal, but it's another thing to not have a connection with our Creator. It's another thing not to have a connection with those that God has placed in our lives to see Him more clearly. And so, the biggest high-value target to Satan is your connection with God. And by the way, if you've ever served in the military, studied military, or, or looked at tactics of people that are fighting in military scenarios, one of the first objectives of any army is to knock out communications. Because if they can't communicate, they can't assemble. And if they can't assemble, they can't fight. (laughs) Satan is trying to knock out your communication with God, your connection. And then he says here, I am the true grapevine. Now, how many of y'all like grapes? I love grapes. Yeah, especially the green seedless ones. I'll tell you a trick. Put it in the freezer. Put some green seedless grapes in the freezer and you come back, it's like a little icy treat. They don't, they don't get hard. They just it, it, try it. Prince, you tell me, I'm going to try it. Look at me. I know food. All right? There's your endorsement. But the thing is, is that for the longest time, Israel was seen in the Old Testament as God's grapevine. As God's chosen people. So here's the crazy thing. Jesus is coming here and saying. Oh by the way you religious Jews. You've been worshipping Israel as being the grapevine. <laughs> I am the grapevine. That made him mad. That made him mad. And so Jesus is the true vine. And we see here that the father. Is the gardener. Is the vine dresser. Jesus chose His willingness to submit to His Father and to complete His work of redemption. The second thing that we see is that our lives give evidence of our connections. Let's read verses 5 and 6. 5 and 6 says, Yes, I am the vine. Jesus is still speaking. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, there's there's that phrase again, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do just a few things, right? You can serve on a committee if you don't remain in Him. You can, you can put a Christian bumper sticker on your car. No, it doesn't say any of that. It says, uh, if you do not remain in me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So what we have here is we have to have an honest evaluation of what type of branch we are. We see here, first of all, that you could be a bad branch. What is a bad branch? A bad branch is a pretender, someone who acts like they are connected to God, but actually have no connection whatsoever. And there are plenty of people that, that look like Christians. That they 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 tell you that they're Christians. But in their heart of hearts, they know that there is no connection, there is no life change, and they're living a lie. So you've got pretenders. And then you've got non-producers. Those that have accepted Jesus Christ, but refuse to do anything with it. i got news for you. Fruit that is not pruned and trimmed will die. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You can't receive Jesus Christ and still do what you used to do and enjoy it. You can't receive Christ and not be in His presence. You can't receive Christ and not want to do things for Him. Because if you do not want to do anything for Christ, you say, well, I've got my fire insurance. I'm not going to burn in hell and that's all I want. I feel sorry for you. Because if all you want is to skate by with your insurance policy to not go to hell, you have missed the most productive, beautiful life that there ever is. You've got pretenders, you've got non-producers, and you've got those that are not attached at all. Dead branches. So folks, let me tell you something. Those of you that are believers... Do not seek to find godly wisdom from dead wood. When you are in a bind and you need somebody to pray with you and to talk through scriptures with you, and when you need life advice, do not go to dead fruitless branches. Oh, they will tell you what they've heard on TV. They will tell you what the opinion polls say, and they'll say what your friends will probably want. They'll say what you want to hear. But my friend, if you need advice and you need a good connection, you better go to somebody that's connected to the vine. Because that is where we get our nourishment. And then we see there's good branches. Genuine believers who demonstrate their salvation by producing fruit. Let me tell you something. The fruit that you bear as a believer, hear me out here. The fruit that you believe, that you bear as a believer, it does not save you. Your works do not save you. But I'll tell you what, it reveals the salvation that's within you. I don't know about you, but I used to work in a peach shed. That's why I hate peaches. I worked in the coal section where you took the bad ones and took the best of the bad ones and put them in a box. I can't tell you how many peaches I grabbed and squeezed and they fell apart in my hand. Don't like peaches. But you know what? Those fruit, those peaches that were good and pleasing. Some of you right now say, oh, preacher, quit talking about peaches. I'm gonna go out and get one. That's okay. But why do you like a good peach? Why do you like a good apple? Why do you like a good Grape, because it is sweet, and it is pleasing, and it is tasty. That is what the world is craving for today. Believers that are ripe, and producing, and sweet, and have the the Spirit of God within them, and giving them good, godly advice and love, not in a I'm better than you way, but just saying, look, here's my fruit, this is what God is doing in my life, Let me tell you how he can do it in yours. But here's the bad thing. It's it's not a bad thing, but it's kind of a catch-22. If you are a good branch, I can guarantee you this. You will be pruned. Mm. Pruning is the most important part of growing grapes. You realize vine dressers are trained for more than two years just to learn where to cut on the vine. Now, now the, the grapes that we get at the store, they're good and tasteful, right? But over there in the Middle East, especially where Jesus was, these would be like mini grapes compared to what they grew over there. And I'm sure as Jesus is teaching this, that there are vineyards around and he's showing the people, look, look at all this fruit. And he, he's, he's comparing this. And what is pruning? Pruning is a process that preachers call sanctification. Can you say sanctification? Good, you have just said a church word. Congratulations. (laughs) What does sanctification mean? Sanctification means to make us holy, to sanctify us, to set us apart and so when we are growing in christ and our branches are growing and we're bearing fruits all of a sudden god the vine dresser the gardener comes in and says oh james you're growing so good but but buddy i'm telling you what i gotta prune these bad parts off of you so you can grow even more and i'm like oh no 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 don't 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 prune and he cuts and it hurts like the devil Those of you that are believers that are bearing fruit, you know what I'm talking about when I say good bearing fruit, good bearing vines are pruned. And some of the things that we've gone through in our life, either by our own mistakes or just God simply trying to teach us a lesson, those pruning experiences have made the beautiful fruit that He is bearing in our lives today. Was it hurt? Yes, it did. Is it beneficial? Absolutely. If our pain can help one other person along the way grow closer to God to get that connection, it's worth it. i tell you what, my friend. If God is not pruning you, you're not connected. You're not connected. It's a process of becoming who He wants us to be. And then we see that our Heavenly Father is never Closer to us. Than when he is pruning us. Listen here my friend. If God is pruning you. If God is working on you. To get rid of those areas in your life. That are bad for you. If God is pruning you. To love him. To spend time with him. And to talk with other people about it. If God is pruning you. And taking you through good times or bad times. You know what that is a promise of? His hands are on you. If God is pruning you, His hands are on you. And I know of no other hands I would want to be in. The same hands that created this world are the ones that we are in the hands of when we are being pruned. So you're either going to be good fruit or you're going to be dead dead fruit. And so he talks about remaining. What does it mean to remain? The relationship with Father and the Son. Jesus is remaining. I mean, it is, it is a choice that we must continually make to remain in Him, to keep ourselves connected. We are saved by His power, and we are held by His power. But sometimes we stray. We, we've got a lot of new babies in our church. Praise the Lord. More on the way. And we've got some that used to be babies. And if you've ever held a baby, especially when they get to that age, they don't want to be held. And you say, oh, yesterday I was just picking you up, and now you just don't want anything to do with me. Kind of hurts a little bit, doesn't it? But they don't want to remain in your arms forever. They want to do what they want to do. They want to walk the way they want to walk. They want to get into the cupboards. They want to to, to do things that they're not supposed to do. They, always, they still love you, but it's hard for them to remain in that status. Folks, we must remain in the arms of Jesus. Remaining in Christ means we should expect and welcome His pruning. So let me give you a, a quick uh, connection check. A connection check. Do you want to know if you're connected? If you were to call up the geek squad and say... I can't turn on my TV. And they might say, well, is the power plugged on? And they would say, yes. So, number one, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Number two, producers are alive. Pretenders are dead. If you are producing fruit, you are connected. And the third thing, producers bear fruit. Pretenders are thrown in the fire. The last thing is that we need to strengthen our connection today. How do you strengthen your connection? Number one, study his word. Study his word. There's no easy way around it. I was talking to my friend today in Bible study. He says, how do you lose weight? I said, you see this thing on your face? Keep it shut. Do some exercise. That's how we lose weight, isn't it? Not that I'm a glaring example of that. I've managed to lose a few, and i still got a lot more to lose, but that's how we do it. We just have to do it. Study His Word. Obey His Word. Experience His Word. And then finally, share His Word. So the first step in remaining in Jesus is to establish a connection with Him. It says in verses 7 and 8, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you would want. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. If we are connected, we will bring glory to the Father. And I'll close with this. I was uh, trying to clean up a little bit yesterday. And I found and I I stumbled upon my old yearbooks. And if y'all still keep your old yearbooks, why do we keep them? I know why. When you see the obituary, who is that? Do I know them? Let me go back and look. Boy, they have changed. See them on Facebook, get a friend request. Who is that? You go back and look, and then and you figure it out. But I looked at I looked at that yearbook, and I looked at all the pages. Do they even do yearbooks anymore? I, they're probably like eighty dollars a pop, aren't they? Robbery, but. But, man, on yearbook day, no classes for the afternoon, and you get free reign to get as many signatures as you can, and someone will give you their, their, their yearbook, and they'll say, oh, that page is saved for somebody. Not you. <laughs> and then you stop. And I look through all these signatures, and they're like, oh, man, we'll, be, we'll know each other forever. Have a great summer. We'll see you next year. Blah, 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 blah. And all this kind of stuff. And hey, at the moment, it was very sweet. But folks, think about it. Have you ever been close to somebody and then just because of time, you drifted away from them? Just drifted. Slowly but surely, your your sets of friends changed. Slowly but surely, you met that special someone to where you didn't care about anybody else anymore. You want to be with that person that you're with. And over time, it doesn't mean that we are are discarding them, we mean to, but folks, we just drift away. But now, if you're lucky, you have one or two people that you strive to maintain a friendship with and keep that connection. Folks, my friends, our connection with God, it is very easy to drift, to drift away. You can be in church every Sunday and still be drifting. My friend, focus on your connection with Christ today. If you are drifting from Him, come back. If you are not connected with Him, if He is not your Savior and Lord, make today the day that you connect with Him. Let's pray. God, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that we can remain in You and produce much fruit. But Lord, for some in here, their connections are are clouded. Their connections may be broken. Maybe their connections have never been established with you. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, if there's someone that needs to know you as their Savior and Lord today, may they walk down front during our invitation. I'll be glad to pray with them and be glad to help them get that connection that they need our church would rejoice to see one person come down this aisle or maybe come to the altars to pray or maybe join this church, whatever it may be. It is my prayer that no one leaves this sanctuary today without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are connected to you. Because, Lord, if we are connected to you, We are connected to one another. Father God, may you work in this invitation, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.